Uh, good morning, everyone. Wish all the fathers a uh, happy and blessed Father's Day. And for those uh, whose fathers are not present with you, or those who have lost their fathers, our thoughts and prayers are with you. I'd like to welcome uh, Pastor Micah and Blair, and also Elder Joseph. They are all in America, uh, which is a much safer place. <laughs> uh, welcome to join us in the service. Happy to see all of you. Um, today, I'll bring you God's Word. Uh, it's my joy to do so. Uh, we'll look at Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 52. A while ago, uh, Brother Ken read verses 1 to 12. It's a long passage. I'd like to begin by asking all of you, why do you think the gospel is not to be kept within the four walls of the church? I mean, why the gospel is not to be kept within the church community? Of course, to answer that question, you need to first of all understand what is the gospel. The gospel is the good news about what Jesus has done through his atoning death on the cross to put right one's relationship with God. It is the good news. It is, in fact, the most significant news in human history. If it is the good news about Jesus Christ, about his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension and exaltation, um, of course, uh, we have to think about the importance and the implication of all this. And this good news is to be announced. Therefore, it should not be kept within the four walls of the church building or within the church community. Of course, the church needs to hear the gospel all the time. Uh, but it is not to be kept within us, within the community. Of course, we know in Acts chapter verses 1 to 8, Jesus commands his disciples to be his witnesses in Jerusalem after his crucifixion and then the resurrection took place and the resurrection vindicated that Jesus is indeed the Messiah that God sent to the Jews, first of all, and then to, to the and Jesus commands his disciples to be his witnesses, that is to proclaim his resurrection, that he has been resurrected, that he is the Messiah as the word of God, as the scripture has uh, promised. And they are to proclaim him, to witness, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And we have seen how the gospel has spread from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, not by intentional design, but because of persecution, uh, the disciples were scattered. In chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, uh, we are told that because of persecution, persecution arose and the disciples were scattered, except the apostles who stay on in Jerusalem. And the gospel began to spread to Judea and to Samaria. And now we come to chapter 13. 
in the Church of Antioch, comprising uh, uh, various group of people, uh, Jews and Gentiles. And in this church, we can see that uh, from the very beginning, we are told that the Holy Spirit spoke uh, to the leaders. But I would also think that uh, in the book of Acts, often uh, the church gathered together to pray, uh, to fast, and to worship. Although reading from verses 1 to uh, 5, uh, verses 1 to uh, 3, it may appear to be that the Holy Spirit was speaking to only the five leaders, uh, Paul uh, and to Barnabas, and then to three others. Uh, their names were mentioned uh, to uh, Simeon, uh, called Niger, and most commentary uh, would say that he's a black person. And then to Lucius of Cyrene, Cyrene and Malen, uh, a high-ranking official uh, was brought up uh, with Herod the Tetrad and Saul. Um, so five of them, they were worshipping the Lord and fasting. It might appear to be that only the five leaders. Uh, but I would think that, as I said in the book of Acts, often the church gathered together because it would be inconceivable the Holy Spirit only spoke to five of them. And then out of the five leaders, uh, uh, three of them commissioned the two leaders and sent them out as if that the church is not involved in the mission. I would take it that it is the whole church that is uh, involved in the mission of God. So uh, we see that the Holy Spirit spoke to the church whether the five of them or the entire church. And what did the Holy Spirit say uh, to, the, to the church? He said, um, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to the church. Um, spoke to the leaders, whether is it how it is spoken, we are not told. Maybe through the uh, prophets, as the prophets prophesy, or to the teachers when they were teaching the word of God. We, we are just, Luke just did not tell, tell us uh, how the Holy Spirit or who the Holy Spirit uh, was speaking to. But Clearly, it is to the, to the leaders and the church. And what did the Holy Spirit say? He says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. Uh, uh, to, uh, to set apart them to, for the work to which I've called them. What exactly is the work, work that the Holy Spirit has set them apart? Again, again the text did not say, but reading from uh, verses 4 onwards, we know that the Holy Spirit, wanted Paul and Barnabas, actually representing the whole church, to be sent out to proclaim the gospel, to plant churches, to disciple uh, people who come uh, in Jesus, bring them together and comprise the church, and then the church will continue on with the mission of God. And that is the intention 
uh, of the Holy Spirit. The intention of the Holy Spirit is that the gospel is not to be kept, not to be kept within the four walls of the church. It is also the intention of the Lord Jesus Christ. He commands the disciple to bring the gospel uh, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the world, to every city, to, to all the villages, to everywhere. Every person must hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this is not because of persecution. The gospel must be radiated, must be thrust out from the church. But it is intentional. The Holy Spirit make it known. And so the church today, we must hear the voice of the Holy Spirit through his word speaking to us that the gospel is to be taken out of the four walls of the church building without of the church community to the marketplace. And, and the work of the proclamation of the gospel is to be directed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we, we see in the book of Acts, the role of the Holy Spirit in the work of the mission. He directs the mission. And of course, if you look at certain verses, which is very clear to us, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to the church, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, to the work for the work to which I've called them. And then in verse 4, it tells us that, and the two of them, Paul and Barnabas, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Although it is the church that commissioned them, uh, the leaders, the three leaders, lay their hands on them and sent them out. Uh, although it is the church that commissioned them and sent them out to the mission of God, but we know that it is the Holy Spirit, as Luke said, that sent them on their way uh, uh, out to proclaim the gospel. And then when we read on, uh, when there is a power encounter between uh, Paul, Barnabas, and Mark with the, with the, with the false prophet, uh, Bar-Jesus, or Elimas, and, and the text said again, in verse 9, uh, Luke said, Saul, uh, whose name was Paul, his Roman name, filled with the Holy Spirit. So we can see the central, cent central role of the Holy Spirit in the mission of God. And so the church sent and commissioned Paul and Barnabas into the work of God. So I want to say to us uh, this morning that uh, it is not just the leaders uh, who are to be involved in the mission of God. It is the whole church. The whole church must be involved in God's work. And of course, there's a lot of uh, debates going on in, uh, in the mission circle. The missiologists uh, talk about, is there still a place to send up missionary, missionaries? Of course, we know 1040 windows. Uh, there are a lot of countries uh, still don't have uh, missionaries going there, learning their language and to proclaim the gospel. There are still many countries, many places that uh, don't have missionaries' presence. Uh, but I think that in the, in the 21st century, I think every church, every person must be involved in mission. Of course, there are people who are still called up called by God, set apart by the Holy Spirit uh, to be missionaries involved in, in the mission of God. Just like we have Pastor Micah 
and uh, the PCA missionaries among us. And then the rest will support, uh, we call these missionaries as the sent out ones. And then, and then the church, the rest will support the sent out ones. Of course, if I were to uh, translate that into a different context where every one of us in the marketplace, in some sense, are missionaries. We are sent out by the church, by the Holy Spirit <coughs> to proclaim the gospel. Uh, some in a, in a different kind of ministry, but all to be supported, all to be supported by the community, by the church. Uh, either finance, prayer, encouragement, uh, uh, giftings, everyone involved, including the children, including the youth. Uh, I remember uh, 13 years ago when I was invited to uh, Shangpong, uh, Meghalaya, the Northeast India, I was representing the Council of World Mission as their deputy moderator to uh, preach at their mission conference. Uh, uh, of course, I have never been there and I, I, I do not know about the Mizo, Mizo Church, you know, the church in North India, in Mizoram, uh, one of the poorest states uh, in India. <clears throat> and on the day I was there, uh, it was actually very mountainous, chilly, uh, uh, you know, at night, the, 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 the van took, took us, uh, took me uh, to that place. And on the day when I was preaching, I was really taken aback that 20,000 people came, the Mizo uh, Christians. Uh, it's, a, it's a big padang, big field. Uh, uh, I was told that most of, most of them are farmers. They're very poor. Uh, they bring along their stool and some are seated and, and I was preaching. And later I learned from their, their mission history. I, I was attending their, they have a synod. Uh, they are called the President Church of India. They have a synod meeting. And I, I heard their report. And, uh, and, and it's very interesting that they, <clears throat> a church, a poor church, in the 2003, the Mizo Church uh, raised $3.4 million. Not Malaysian, bring it. It's 3.4 US million, 3.4 million US dollars. I was completely blown apart because I do not know any of the denominations in Malaysia nor the mega church ever raised 3.4 US million for mission. And I was told that the Mizo, Mizo church or the synod, they were able to support 1,800 mission workers. Now, of course, all these were not written in the, in the uh, mission articles. Uh, you know, we, we hardly heard about that, including myself, until when, when I was there. And at the Synod, Mizo Synod, they reported that was in 2008, 13 years ago, they, the, the, although the mission fund has slightly dipped, they still managed to raise US 2.7 million. 2.7 million. And I asked them, you are, you are a poorer state in India. How could you do that? 
So they told me the story. Uh, they say they have this tradition called in their language, uh, Mizo language, called Bufai Tam. Bufai Tam. I say, what is Bufai Tam? Bufai Tam is translated called a handful of rice. I say, what is this handful of rice? They say that every Christian woman in a Mizo church, every time when they cook, they put their hand into the container, the rice container, they will grab a handful of rice and then they put into another container. And then on Sunday, they will bring the rice to the church. And then the church will collect all these handful of rice by the women and then they were to sell and they will, they will sell it and then the proceeds will go to the mission fund. And in a year, together with the mission offering collected from the men, and of course the children were involved. I said, how did the children get involved? He said that children will go out into the, into the woods, into the forest, and they collect the firewoods. And with the firewoods, they will bring it to the church and then the church will sell the firewoods and then uh, it goes into the mission fund. And they were able to, that year 2008, they were able to raise 2.7 million for the mission work and supporting 1,800 missionaries. You know, we think of only America and uh, Korea, <clears throat> all these countries send out a lot of missionaries, but we did, we hardly know about this Mizo church that sent out 1,008 mission workers all over India in, in, and also in other parts of the world. Bufai Tam. The whole church is to be involved. And then there were interviews going on and, uh, and the leaders, uh, one of the leaders say, if everyone gives a little each day, much can be achieved. If everyone gives a little each day, much can be achieved. And, and I talked to a few of them and the women say that as long as we have something to eat every day, we have something to give to God every day. Mind you, I was shamed by, the, by, the, by these Christians. We come from a middle-class church. We often complain you know, I have a Christians who, you know, who are rich and uh, uh, they say, oh, we don't have much money. But listen to what these poor women and uh, the Christians said. As long as we have something to eat every day, we have something to give to God every day. And in a very concrete way, they just put their hand into the rice bowl, into the rice container and, and take out a handful of rice, pufai tam, and put and bring it to the church at the, on, on Sunday, and then the church sell it, and then it goes to mission fund. Everyone can participate in God's ministry. Everyone can participate in God's work and in God's mission. Children, youth, God, the Holy Spirit also speak to you. Uh, our church, CDPC, can also do a lot. It is the intention of the Holy Spirit for the gospel to be proclaimed outside the four walls of the church. 
but there are many ways in which one can proclaim the gospel. We need to mobilize and to get everyone involved. And of course, our children may not go and get the firewood. <clears throat> they have pocket monies. Uh, Caleb, I see you. Uh, uh, your dad may give you some money. And then you say, every week I put aside one ringgit. <clears throat> and one month, they will be four or five ringgits. One year, uh, you can calculate how much. If every, every boy and girl in a church do that, and how much you would have collected. And the money can be released uh, to do God's work. And of course, it's not just money. You know, uh, we have uh, very gifted people in our, our church. Uh, the resources and the gift can be released uh, to, be, to be used. And, and so we need, need to think how we can collectively involve in the work of the mission. In the pandemic context, we can use Zoom and social media to reach out. Now notice that it is in the context when the leaders and the church gathers to worship. It is in the context of worship and fasting and prayer, the Holy Spirit speak to the church. God will speak to us whenever we gather to worship to pray and we need to learn to listen to the voice of God collectively. He speak to the preach word as is today. I have the joy, the privilege to bring you God's word and you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And then God can also speak to the children. God can also speak to the youth and collectively we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so the gospel is to be taken out, to be proclaimed because it is the good news. And then we see in verses 4 to 12, it's a very interesting episode. It's basically, let me sum up, uh, is that whenever the gospel is preached, we must expect opposition. We must expect opposition and contestation because the devil will use wicked people to oppose the work of God. Now, as you are involved in the work of God, as collectively we do the work of God, the mission of God to proclaim the gospel, we must expect opposition and contestation. Now, how did this happen? We, you know, uh, I will not read all the verses, but we know that <clears throat> uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the Holy Spirit and they traveled from uh, Antioch to Seleucia and then to uh, Salamis, uh, to the island of Cyprus. And island of Cyprus happened to be the hometown of Barnabas. So Barnabas, uh, he know every uh, nook and uh, cranny and nook in the place of the island. He know where to go. So they were in the, as usual, they always go to the synagogue first and they travel in, uh, you look at the text say that they were preaching in the synagogues. So they went to several synagogues, but Luke did not uh, 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 tell all the stories. Uh, he just singled out one particular place. Uh, and and they, they actually encounter 
the encounter. Okay, you look at this map. Uh, 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 they were from Antioch to Seleucia and then to Salamis in Cyprus. And of course, they travel around the island and finally to Petfos. Uh, uh, Petfos uh, uh, is, the, is, the, is the western side of the island. Uh, when they arrive at Salamis, they proclaim the word of God in the synagogue. And then when they, when they traveled the whole island until they came to Petfos and they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet by the name Bar-Jesus or Elemas. Now, the, the, this sorcerer practiced uh, magic. Obviously, he had uh, some form of occultic power. He could do some prediction as a false prophet uh, uh, inspired by the, by the evil spirit. Uh, he could, of course, his prediction, so his prediction may come true. Otherwise, why would people follow him and believe in his power? But behind the power is the operation of the evil spirit and, and, and the work of the whole evil spirit is to take people away from the truth, to take people away from Jesus Christ. And so when the, because this Elimas, uh, uh, he was working with the proconsul. Proconsul is the governor in the, one of the Rome, uh, uh, Roman uh, province uh, in Petfos. And this high-ranking piece of Paulus, uh, Sergius, uh, uh, his name is, uh, uh, I think it's Paulus uh, Sergius. <clears throat> He wanted to hear the word of God. He was interested to know about Jesus. And then we were told that Elemas tried to prevent him uh, from following Jesus. Uh, of course, Luke did not say anything much about how he did that, but he was opposing. He stood in the way of this proconsul from, from coming to Jesus Christ. And then what did Paul did? Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then uh, he pronounced, he actually denounced Elemas as a child of devil, uh, which actually Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, able to discern that behind the work of Elemas was the work of the devil. <clears throat> and he said, you are an enemy of everything that is right. And you are full of deceit and fraud. Uh, which is a characteristic of the of the of the devil, and Paul pronounced divine judgment on Elemas, and he was punished immediately. The hand of the Lord struck him blind. Immediately, we are told that Elemas could not see. And then Sergius Paulos, the proconsul, saw the whole event, and we are told that he believed. And then the word of God says, "For mean be." Because he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Now, so it may appear from the text that the proconsul, Sergius uh, uh, Paulos, believed because he saw the miracle, he saw the power encounter, uh, the contestation uh, between uh, two powers, but the uh, Paul, uh, Luke underscored the fact that uh, uh, he was amazed. Uh, he believed because he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So there is both the proclamation of the gospel and the accompaniment of the, of the miracles. Um, uh, 
uh, that uh, you know uh, the proconsul was amazed. You know that that means he he the Holy Spirit actually opened his mind. Uh, he he see that Jesus is really the living Messiah and the Lord. You know that uh, what the the Paul and Barnabas proclaim about Jesus is true. They see with their hand uh, that Jesus is the Lord who is going to judge the living and the dead. And he, they saw the power, the, the manifestation of the power of Jesus. And so the power manifestation and teaching about the Lord must go hand in hand. Uh, there are certain circles, Christian circle, that uh, only focus on miracles. <clears throat> we know that miracles can point people to Christ, but they must always be the preaching of the gospel. Otherwise, the conversion will be very superficial. The preaching of the gospel and the manifestation of the power, whatever form it takes, has to go hand in hand. If people are only attracted to the power of Christ, the, the seeing the, the miracles without hearing the gospel, then I would say there's no conversion. The conversion may appear to be only superficial. The conversion is only superficial. So let me say this, that unless one's heart is gripped by the gospel, hearing the content of the gospel about Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, his resurrection and his uh, ascension and exaltation. Seeing manifestation of the divine power may not lead to conversion. If it lead to conversion, then I would say it's only a superficial conversion. So in mission, brothers and sisters, power encounter takes place to reveal that Christ is above all and to authenticate the message of the gospel. And of course, the power manifestation, the divine Power manifestation is the sovereign work of God. You cannot manufacture. You cannot manipulate. You cannot manipulate the Holy Spirit. You cannot uh, demand the Holy Spirit to do that. Uh, it is a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. Many years ago, I led uh, my previous church, Karija Grace, uh, to the mission to uh, Sarawak, Imperial Sarawak. Uh, and I, you remember that? Uh, and I, many years ago, a, a team of us went, uh, I divide them into three teams, I think three or four teams. Uh, I led one team to the longhouse, into the really interior of the longhouse uh, near Kalimantan border. <clears throat> and, and in this one longhouse, <coughs> excuse me, I have a <coughs> Iban uh, interpreter, translator. I remember vividly, uh, I was brought into the room in a long house. There are many rooms you know, adjacent to each other. And I was in this room and, and the Iban uh, interpreter uh, pastor who went in with me. And then there's a group outside there praying. Uh, I went in, it was dark. And then uh, there's uh, this woman, Iban woman. And then there is a sarong, uh, you know, hanging onto the roof. Uh, with a string attached and there was a, uh, a little boy, I think it's a, uh, probably he is only two or three years old only. Uh, because it's dark, I couldn't see very clearly. So I went near to the sarong and then suddenly I saw a child with the eye piercing eye stare at me and start screaming, yelling, screaming. And then at the corner was the father, the father of the child. 
slouching, you know, uh, at the corner. And then immediately, you know, I knew that this boy was possessed by the evil spirit. So I, I start talking to the woman and then uh, the, the translator, the Iman translator was telling me, you know, translator, the woman has not been sleeping the last three years and every night, the child, the son will be screaming, you know, the whole longhouse, people cannot sleep. You know, longhouse is so quiet and, and, and it's attached, you know, uh, uh, the every, every longhouse uh, room is adjacent to each other. And, and the child scream, you can see the whole longhouse filled with his sound, you know, the shrieking. And, uh, and so I told the Iman pastor, I said, I'm going to, 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 to command the evil spirit and let's pray together. So I command in the name of Jesus, I, I, I was commanding, you know, of course, at the time I already have some experience. The Lord taught me about deliverance ministry. So I command the name in the name of Jesus, you know, and, and after a while, I can't remember how long was it. And then suddenly the child was quiet and he slept and the mother was so happy. And then the father came and he was shocked. And, and of course I saw the sarong, attached to the sarong were the amulets, uh, you know, the Iban amulets, all these, you know, uh, uh, they practice all these uh, witchcraft and all this. The child slept for the first time. And, and I was told uh, later on, the Iban pastor were outside. They were, I told uh, before I was casting out demon in the name of Jesus, the amulets, I was taking out the amulets. I, I passed through the pastor, Iban pastor, and to be taken out, they put into the tongue and then they were burning the thing. And then the Iban pastor told me that there's a fire, green color that flew out, you know, and then they know it's demonic. Anyway, I was preaching the gospel to the whole village and then I left. Next day, the word came back to us. The whole village came to Christ. The whole village came to Christ because they saw the manifestation. They heard about the manifestation of the, of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit setting this little child free. And they heard the gospel that we preach. And the whole village came to Christ. As I said, the power encounter, the, whenever the gospel is proclaimed, there is a contestation of position from the evil spirit. And whenever the gospel is proclaimed, if the sovereign God choose to manifest his power, there will be manifestation of power. But again, I do not put so much emphasis on the, the miracle but it is the proclamation of the gospel. The longhouse people heard the gospel and they accepted Christ. So church, it is only in the name of Jesus and the proclamation of the gospel, people will come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul and Barnabas, we see that the gospel is to be proclaimed outside the church, four walls. And whenever the gospel is proclaimed, we see the opposition and contestation of the two powers between the power of God and the power of Satan. And then people are set free. They hear the gospel. And Paul and Barnabas, we did not read just now. Now they were going out and they, they traveled to uh, Perga, which is the modern uh, Turkey in Pamphylia, uh, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Now this little episode now, it's very interesting that Luke included that. Uh, 
I always, when I read this passage, I marvel. I marvel because, of course, later on in the other in the other chapters of Acts, they also mention about uh, uh, this mark um, quarrel between uh, Paul and uh, and Barnabas on account of Mark. But John Mark left them. Luke did not say why he left them because of the uh, uh, the, the 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 tough toughness of the mission. You know, after witnessing the power, power of God, the manifestation of the power of God, wouldn't you want to continue on? But of course, uh, <clears throat> some scholars say that if you read carefully in the book of Acts, the leadership now begin to change, change place from Barnabas leading the mission to become Paul. <clears throat> it was always mentioned Paul and Barnabas, no longer Barnabas and Paul. And so Mark being related to, John Mark being related to Barnabas, he wasn't happy. Of course, these are all guessing, uh, conjecture, we, we are not told. Uh, whether because the Mark is too frightened and, uh, you know. So mission mission work is not for the, for the, uh, don't romanticize mission, you know, it's very tough. Talk to Micah and Blair and all these missionaries from America. Uh, talk to missionaries, the loneliness, the discouragement, you know, uh, the culture is foreign. Of course, Malaysia is a good place la, because of the food. But it's still tough, you know, leaving your loved ones behind, you know, and your friends, your family environment to come to a foreign country. Don't romanticize. Mission work is very tough. Going outside the four walls of the church to proclaim the gospel is also very tough. So Mark could not take it. That you need, We need to, to count the costs. Um, so Paul and Barnabas, they went to the Pisidian uh, Antioch, not the Antioch in Syria, and they were preaching. As usual, they preached to the Jews uh, using the scripture. Now, uh, I'm going to quickly summarize because of the time. Uh, 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 I will not do detail, huh? You all look at the text, huh? look at the text, uh, look at the text very carefully. Um, it basically, Paul narrated the history of redemption. Uh, he began, he began uh, uh, by saying that the God, the God of the people of Israel choose our fathers. Now, he was, he began by focusing on the salvation history, the election of Israel the election of Israel. Then he talked about the, the Israelites in Egypt and how God delivered them. They were in wilderness. They were rebelling against God and, and then leading to the, to the, to the, the story of uh, uh, the period of judges to Samuel the prophet and to God giving them a king in the person of Saul and then later David, King David. Of course, I think... Paul was narrating the history of redemption about the salvation history, the election of Israel, about the, it is about the covenantal reading of the Israel history. Uh, uh, the covenant that God is faithful to his covenant. Uh, the covenant God is faithful to his uh, uh, promise of bringing the, bringing the Messiah, bringing the Messiah uh, to the Jews. And, and, and in Acts chapter 13, verse 23, he talked about David. The Davidic covenant is fulfilled with the coming of Jesus as the Messianic king. That Jesus is the climatic fulfillment of the story. 
uh, where because David, God promised David that one come after him, in the one of his descendants will sit on his throne and rule forever and ever. Of course, it's not Solomon, not David. In fact, David is revered by the Jews. David died, uh, uh, you know, but Jesus was resurrected. So Paul quoted Psalms chapter uh, uh, 16 verse 10, talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Basically, all point to the fact that Jesus fulfilled the Davidic covenant, that he is really the promised Messiah, that Jesus, though he was crucified, but God raised him from the dead. And God even sent uh, John the Baptist as a forerunner, as, uh, as is predicted in the Isaiah passage. And all these, I think the Jews who were in the synagogue, they know what Paul was talking so the death of Jesus fulfilled the prophecy and, and the resurrection vindicated that Jesus is really God's Messiah. And, and, and of course, Paul was quick to also point to the fact that Jesus' condemnation uh, was undeserved. He was innocent. But Jesus' condemnation was really fulfilling the, fulfilling the scripture. The death of Jesus on a tree was God's plan. And of course, this is again very interesting. Uh, why Luke? Uh, reference to the tree, because uh, in the in the ancient world, uh, 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 the death by crucifixion, crucifixion being hung upon a tree was not the way that people describe crucifixion. He was specifically alluded to Deuteronomy chapter 21, 23, that curse is the one who is hung on the tree. So is Jesus being cursed by God? As what the Jews crucified him and think that Jesus is cursed by God, therefore he cannot be the Messiah. But Paul is actually explaining really that Jesus took upon our curse. We are the ones supposed to be cursed by God because we are rebelling against God. Jews are the ones who rebel against God, sin against God. They are supposed to be cursed by God and to be hung on the tree. We are supposed to be cursed by God because of our sin and hung on the tree and to be crucified, to be punished by God. But Jesus took our curse upon himself and he was hung on the cross and crucified. How do we know that this is true? Paul say because God vindicate his Messiah by raising him from the dead and the curse was for our sake and for our salvation was taken upon by Jesus. And so the resurrection of Jesus fulfilled God's promise to place David's son, who was God's son on David's throne forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7, 14. By raising Jesus from the grave, God secured salvation for us. Brothers and sisters, this is exactly what Paul is trying to tell the Jews in the synagogue. Salvation is the plan of God. It is the plan of God. It is not an accidental event. The crucifixion fulfilled the predetermined plan of God. Of course, when you compare Paul's sermon and Peter's sermon, it's the same. The crucifixion of Jesus is not an accident. It is the predestined plan of God for the salvation of the Jews and the Gentiles. <coughs> so, brothers and sisters, The crucifixion and the resurrection is the good news. It's the good news. 
the gospel is actually for not just the Jews, the gospel is for all. And we see this very clearly. Next slide. We see this very clearly when the Jews rejected, some Jews rejected the gospel. And so Paul said that uh, the now they are going to turn to the Gentiles. And the rest of the story uh, tells us about the joy of the Gentiles, those who are appointed for eternal life. They heard the gospel. They were so happy and so joyful. You know, the gospel is not just confined to the Jews. It's not for the Jews alone. It is for everyone. It is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. That's why at the beginning I asked you why the gospel is not to be kept within the four walls of the church because it is the intention of God. It is the intention of the Holy Spirit that the gospel is to be taken out of the four walls of the church and to be proclaimed to everyone. Now, then I also told you that the gospel is now by design uh, spoken by the Holy Spirit, intentional to be taken out. It is not because of persecution. They got no choice. So the disciple has to take the gospel where they go, you know, hiding away from uh, people who persecuted them. No, it is by design to be taken out. Intentional. Think about it. How you intentionally, every family, every child, every youth, every adult has to think how to bring the gospel to everyone in diverse way to be supported by the church. And so, the story ended. Uh, we know that, next slide, the gospel now has crossed ethnic barrier. Thank God the gospel is never confined to the Jerusalem church and confined only to the Jews. The gospel now has crossed geographical barrier to Judea, Samaria, and to all the Gentile cities in Asia Minor. And then the book of Acts tells us that the gospel is brought to Rome, signifying the ends of the world, uh, or, or even beyond Rome, to Spain and to many other places. And the gospel crosses ethnic barriers, not confined to the Jews, not confined to the Jews alone, but to all people. The gospel is for all people, for all places. As long as there are countries, cities, and villages, and places where the gospel it's not proclaimed where people have not heard of Jesus Christ. We are to take the gospel. Uh, you can use various means, the Zoom and the internet or whatever. So brothers and sisters, have you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit church? The gospel is to be taken out of the four walls of the church. There will be people among us. We are to release the best of our people to be missionaries, the best of your children, not just to be doctors and lawyers in our Chinese culture, is to be taken out. The gospel, the work of the gospel, the mission of God is to be supported. Everyone can participate in that. And whenever the gospel is proclaimed, there will be opposition and contestation. There will also be casualty. There will be people who cannot sustain long in the work of God, in the mission of God. Expect opposition, expect contestation, expect uh, casualty. And the gospel is for all people, for all places, because it is God's intention. So I pray that CDPC Puchong will continue 
to do that and uh, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word to us today, that you will speak to us as we know that it is the intention of the Holy Spirit to take the gospel out and there will be people among us will be set apart to do so. But we also know that the whole church in our own context, some will go to other countries to be missionaries, like the missionaries who have been sent to our country, Malaysia. But they will be all of us to be involved in a work, in a mission work in Puchong, in Malaysia. And I ask that you give us the not only creativity, but the heart to do so. We have heard about the Mizo Church, the Mizoram Church, that the size of the church does not matter. It is the size of the heart for the mission work of God does matter. So I ask that you will speak to us. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is to be proclaimed to all people and to be taken to all places. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.